Love God, love others, and spread the gospel. All right, so there's this little uh, this lady named Sandra Griffin who tells a story uh, about how uh, her um, uh, she was babysitting some children from another family, and she asked each of them to take turns saying the prayer for the mealtime. Uh, she says, the difference in our family prayer styles didn't go unnoticed by my five-year-old daughter. The next morning at breakfast, she bowed her head and proceeded to pray, thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Toast. Toast. Uh, this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, is uh, sometimes mysterious, uh, sometimes confusing. We, we don't understand a whole lot about the Holy Spirit, but the Bible has some cool things to say about the Holy Spirit and how it works in our prayer lives. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we've been, we're at the very end of our sermon series on prayer and devoting ourselves to prayer. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, we've talked about praying for one another. Last week, we got together in little groups at the end of the sermon, and we prayed for each other. Um, and I pray that uh, that, that went well and that uh, you remember to pray for each other this week. We talked about praying for the kingdom. We've talked about praying with the right attitude. We've talked about praying in faith. Well, I, I want to be real honest with you for just a moment. Uh, not that I'm not real honest with you most of the time, but... Uh, I just want to be real with you for just a second. This is a really hard sermon series for me to preach. Um, a lot of times, people will look at the minister and think, wow, man, he's just, he's got it all together. I mean, he's got to have just the greatest prayer life, and he must read his Bible 29 hours a day. I mean, he's just, he's a super, a super Christian. I'm sure of it. I, I just know that he is, right? You know, it's not that way. I believe in prayer. I believe that God answers prayer. Uh, but I tell you what, I feel so very inadequate when it comes to my own prayer life, especially to be preaching about prayer, to get up here and tell you and, and to preach every week about how we need to have these great prayer lives and we need to, we need to pray in faith and we need to pray for the kingdom. You know, I, I, I feel like my prayer life, my own prayer life is so very anemic. I know that I don't pray enough, and, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one in this room. Anybody feel that way, that they feel like their prayer lives are anemic? Uh, that's, I'm sure that there are many of us here who feel like we could do a better job of praying or that we could spend more time in prayer. You know, if I were to ask you if you believe in prayer, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, would say, yes, I believe in prayer, without a doubt. And, and you would say that, that, yes, I believe that praying is a good thing to do, but we fall short of our own expectations when it comes to setting aside time to pray. We know that God wants to hear from us, and we know that praying is powerful and important. We know that prayer works, and that God always answers prayers according to his will, but it is so hard to do it when you feel so inadequate. Well, take, take heart. There is hope for those of us who feel like we have powerless prayer lives. There's hope for us. The good news is that we do not have to have it all together in order to have an effective prayer life. We do not have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. We do not have to possess a certain vocabulary in order to pray effectively. You don't have to uh, pray with a bunch of these and thous. You don't have to use big $10 seminary words in order to pray effectively. From my study of Scripture, I have found three primary passages that deal with prayer and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, two of these talk about praying in the Spirit, and the other talks about the Spirit praying for us. And that's a really cool thing. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. 
Well, first we're going to talk about what it means to pray in the Spirit, and then we'll talk about how the Spirit intercedes on our behalf uh, as we discuss prayer and the Holy Spirit. Now, the first of three passages I want to look at is from Ephesians 6.18. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Ephesians 6, 19, and 20 when we talked about praying for the kingdom. This week, we are focusing on praying in the Spirit, though. Paul tells the Ephesian Christians that they are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I think you can see that right there, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's what he told them. Uh, the book of Ephesians was mainly written to Gentiles in and around Ephesus. Ephesus was a very important city in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. The churches in and around Ephesus were full of Gentile believers. They were new to the faith. And Paul was writing to them and, and to, in order to guide them and remind them of what they had been taught when they came to Christ. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, Paul talks about the spiritual armor that Christians wear, the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. He lets the Ephesians know that they are involved in a battle. They are in a battle for their spiritual lives. And that's what he's writing about in Ephesians chapter 6. God has provided this protective armor for his people against the devil, the enemy of our souls. And after describing this armor, Paul gives one last admonition. And his admonition is to pray. He tells them to pray in the spirit with all prayers and requests. Now the second passage I want to examine is Jude uh, verse 20. It says, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. The tiny book of Jude comes right before Revelation. And a lot of people, when they're reading the Bible, it's like, Oh, I want to get to the good stuff. I want to get, what's this little book of Jude? I, I want to get to Revelation. Let's look at Revelation. Come on. Fire falling from the sky, uh, earthquakes, and, and angels, and, and the devil finally gets his due. That's what I want to read. And we kind of, tend to skip over the book of Jude. Well, it was a letter, the book of Jude was a letter ascribed to a man named Jude who is believed to be one of Jesus' brothers. Now, it's one of the shorter books of the Bible. It's only 25 verses long. It was written to Christians living in the first century as a warning against heresies that were popping up in the church. In verses 17 and 18, Jude talks about those in the last days who scoff at Christians and follow their own ungodly desires. He says in verse 19, these are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. And then he contrasts them in verse 20 with Christians who do have the Holy Spirit, who are to build themselves up in the holy faith and who are to pray in the spirit. In verse 21, Jude tells them to keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. In other words, continue to abide in God's love. Continue to remain in God's love. Stay in God's love. In John 15:10, Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. If you remain, if you want to remain in Christ's love, then you've got to do what Christ says to do. You've got to be obedient. You've got to obey. That's what it's all about. That is how we remain in God's love. Obedience to Christ is one of the keys of remaining or abiding in his love. So we have these two passages of scripture that tell Christians to pray in the spirit. And now this raises some questions for me, and maybe it does for you too. As you're sitting here listening to the sermon, you may be wondering, what does that mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Uh, does it mean that we pray in tongues? Uh, aren't all Christians filled with the Holy Spirit, and thus praying in the Spirit is just praying? Is that what it means? 
Am I missing out on something? Is there some technique I need to master in order to pray in the Spirit? Is there something I need to learn? Is there something I'm missing out on? Pastor and teacher John MacArthur says that praying in the Spirit has nothing to do with speaking in tongues or in some other ecstatic or dramatic manner. He says to pray in the Spirit is to pray in the name of Christ, to pray consistent with his nature and will. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in concert with the Spirit. You see, when we pray, there is more going on than just talking to God. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about Romans chapter 8. When we pray to the Father, we find that all three persons of the Godhead, all three persons of the Trinity are involved in our prayers. We pray to the Father, and he hears our prayers and answers them according to his will. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our high priest, according to Hebrews 7 through 9. The high priest would intercede on behalf of, of God's people. This is what Jesus does on our behalf in the presence of the Father. Richard Foster says, do you realize what this means? Today, as we carry on the activities of our lives, Jesus Christ is praying for us. Tonight, as we sleep through the long darkness, Jesus Christ is praying for us. Continual prayer is being offered at the throne of God on our behalf by none other than the eternal Son. You and I, you are being prayed for right now. I am being prayed for right now. We can rest in this work of the Son on our behalf. So we see that the Father is involved. We see that the Son is involved. The Spirit is involved as well. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. You see, prayer is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's more than just a good thing to do. There are spiritual forces at work. There are spiritual forces at work when we are praying. We can't see them, but they're there. Praying in the Spirit isn't about a secret prayer language. It's not about praying in tongues. It's about praying along with the Spirit for the will of God to be done. It is about praying according to the will of God. It is about asking for the Spirit's guidance in how we should pray. You know, we don't always have all the answers. We don't always know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what, what to say. There are times in our lives when we just we either don't feel like praying or we don't know what to say. Things are, are happening. Circumstances in our lives are, are, are such that we just... We can't seem to get, get on our knees. We can't seem to fold our hands. We can't seem to bow our heads. We just, we can't pray. What do we do in those kinds of situations? What do we do then? We need to ask the Spirit to intercede. Help me to pray. Help me to pray. It is about asking the Spirit's guidance in how we should pray. Asking for the Spirit to help us pray. It is about asking Jesus to pray on our behalf. It is about submitting ourselves to God and His will. When we do that, I believe that we will be praying in the Spirit. Now, the third passage I want to talk about this morning is Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I just said that. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Paul had been writing to the Roman church about the Holy Spirit in chapter 8. He talks about being controlled by the Spirit of God versus being controlled by the sinful nature. We want to be controlled by God's Spirit, not by our sinful nature. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Jesus died on the cross on our behalf. He went to the cross and he died so that we could be forgiven. Our sins could be forgiven and we could receive the indwelling gift of God's Holy Spirit. 
If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. God's very Spirit lives inside of you, dwells inside of you, lives in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, told the crowd that once they were baptized, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had come upon people before that time, but the Holy Spirit had not dwelled in people other than in Christ. God, through Jesus, made it possible to have our sins forgiven and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit dwells within us, it moves and it works and is active in our lives. It leads us and it guides us and it changes us from the inside out. Have you... Have you ever noticed over the past few years, maybe, since becoming a Christian, maybe maybe it's been 20 years, maybe it's been 50 years, maybe it's been five years, maybe it's been 10 days. Uh, have you ever, have you noticed a change in your life since becoming a Christian? Have you noticed a change in your life? Maybe the way that you think, maybe in the things that you say, maybe in the way that you feel, maybe things that you used to do that never bothered you before bother you now that's the holy spirit maybe things that you used to do maybe struggles that you used to have with sin you no longer have that's the holy spirit god says or peter said on the day of pentecost the, the people were cut to the heart and they said what must we do peter said repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit when you accept christ as your savior and you get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins God gives you his Holy Spirit. His very spirit, him, his very self comes and lives in you and begins to change you from the inside out. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and it does something wonderful when we pray. When I read that passage earlier from Romans 8, 26 and 27, it talks about how the Spirit intercedes for us when we do not know what we ought to pray for. John McGarvey of uh, Cochranton, Pennsylvania wrote in Leadership Journal, he says, one day our church copier broke down I'm not mechanically minded, but I called the repair shop to see if they could tell me what the problem was and if I could do anything about it. I quickly discovered, however, that I didn't even know how to describe what was broken. I didn't know the names of the parts or what was specifically wrong. I just knew that the copy machine didn't work. Sound familiar? Any of you work with a hard-to-deal-with copy machine? Joanne? <laughs> she loves our copy machine. So the repair shop sent out a technician. While working on our machine, he called the shop. Unlike me, he knew how to describe what was needed. He used words I didn't understand, but the person at the shop did, and soon the copier was repaired. My need was met because someone came and communicated to headquarters in words I could not express. See, that's what Paul says the Holy Spirit does on our behalf when it comes to prayer. Richard Foster, in his book called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, says, The Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity himself, accompanies us in our prayers. When we stumble over our words, the Spirit straightens out the syntax. He says, When we pray with muddy motives, the Spirit purifies the stream. When we see through a glass darkly, the Spirit adjusts and focuses what we are asking until it corresponds to the will of God. The point is that we do not have to have everything perfect when we pray. The Spirit reshapes, refines, and reinterprets our feeble, ego-driven prayers. We can rest in this work of the Spirit on our behalf. Our prayers do not have to be perfect. And that's good news. That's good news for someone like me because I tell you what, my prayers sometimes get really selfish. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. 
Sometimes I get really selfish in my prayers. I need the Spirit to straighten that out, to straighten me out, to pray for others, to pray for the things of the kingdom, to pray for the, the important things. We do not have to be perfect prayers in order to pray effectively. And that's good news. God has given us his Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf when we pray. When we cannot communicate to God what we desperately want to say to him. When we want to cry out to God, the Spirit moves in and says what we are unable to say. Jonathan is learning to talk. He's 22 months old. And he's trying to effectively communicate to his parents what he wants. And he doesn't have the vocabulary to do so. He doesn't know what to say. He can say a few things. He points to the wagon and says, why, why? He says, juice. He knows he wants juice. When he says bones, he wants to watch the TV show, Dem Bones. Not Bones, the, ho- the show on Fox, but it's this cartoon that we have on our satellite called the Dem Bones. You know, he raises his hand. He says he wants to watch High Five. He's able to communicate a few things, but there are times when he's trying to say something, and he may as well uh, be speaking uh, some ancient language. And as far as I know, he may be. He might be speaking ancient Sumerian for all I know. But he is trying to get his point across to me, and he just cannot do it. And he gets so frustrated and just, (laughs) son, I have no idea what you're trying. And so I try different things. I try, you know, maybe he wants a cracker. Does not want a cracker. Maybe he wants to watch this television show, the I Want to Go Potty show. No, he does not want to watch potty, or boppy as he calls it. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for him because he wants to communicate so badly and he doesn't know what to say. The same thing can happen to us when we're trying to communicate to God what it is, that we're, what it is that's on our hearts, what, is, what it is that's on our minds, and we don't know the words to say, we don't know what to do. Paul says in verse 26 of Romans 8 that we do not know what we ought to pray for. We get so caught up in our selfishness and our self-centeredness that we fail to pray in accordance with God's will. The Spirit of God knows the mind of the heart and the will of God. The Spirit knows best how to pray on our behalf to the Father. The Spirit knows what to pray. The Spirit can guide and direct our prayers according to the will of God. And instead of self-focused, selfish, self-centered prayers, our prayers are kingdom-focused. We talked a few weeks ago about praying for the kingdom. Anybody been praying for the kingdom lately? Anybody been praying for ministers, missionaries, evangelistic opportunities? Is God answering those prayers? Maybe you've prayed for an evangelistic opportunity and you had a chance to invite someone to church. Or maybe you had prayed for an evangelistic opportunity and you got to tell somebody about uh, your faith a little bit. That's my prayer. Keep up that good work. Keep praying and watch God answer those prayers that you pray for the kingdom. As long as we are praying in the Spirit and praying for the will of God to be done, we will find that our prayers are much more effective. And not only that, but we'll see that our faith increases as God answers prayer. Have you ever thought about that? How when God answers a prayer, our faith grows. We trust a little more. We, we believe a little more. When we see God moving, when we see God working, when we see God acting, a byproduct of that as he answers our prayer is that our faith increases. Author Gary Friesen writes, When my friend Riley told me about his first visit to our church, I learned something about prayer. Riley says that after the service, he lingered, talking to this person and that. When he stepped outside, his four-year-old daughter, Melody, did not come out. By then, the building was empty and the doors were locked. And they could only be opened with a key. 
Riley called through the mail slot of the large oak door. Melody, are you in there? A small, frightened voice answered, Yes, Daddy. Then Melody put her hand through the mail slot so Daddy could hold it until someone fetched a church key. Melody could not see him, but she knew her father was there, and she was comforted. Prayer is like a comforting hand through a mail slot. The father is there listening and comforting even when you cannot see him. You know, sometimes it's hard to feel God's hand, especially in our prayer lives. Sometimes we feel distant. Sometimes we feel separated. Sometimes we feel like God is far away. We need that hand through the mail slot. But here, he is there. Like I was telling the kids earlier, he's always there. He is our daddy. And he is always there. Holding our hand as we seek his face and as we seek his will. And that is the key to praying in the spirit. Seeking the will of God. If we will seek God's will before our own, we will find that those prayers get answered. Bob Russell in his book, When God Answers Prayer, says we don't dictate to God what he is supposed to do. We don't dictate to God what he is supposed to do. You see, ultimately, prayer is a surrender to the will of God. Richard Foster calls this the, uh, the school of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is the place where Jesus prayed before he was crucified. Before he went to the cross and died, he prayed in the garden. Three times he prayed the same prayer. If it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, <laughs> let it be taken from me. That's not what he said, but to paraphrase, that's what he said. If it is possible for this cup to be taken from me. And then he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus prayed it three times, if it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. What was the Father's will? That Jesus die. That he go to the cross. That he pay the price. That he carry the sins of the world and he be crucified so that we could be forgiven. That is the gift that he gave to us by his grace the school of Gethsemane is where we learn to pray in the spirit. That is where we learn to say, not my will, but your will be done. Instead of praying for our own will to be done, we surrender to God and pray that his will is done. That is what praying in the spirit is all about. It is not some magical incantation. It is not some mysterious language. It is an attitude of total surrender to the spirit of God in our lives. It is letting go of the steering wheel. Letting go of the steering wheel and letting God take charge. Letting God take control of our prayer lives and of our lives in general. It's letting go. It is letting the Spirit fill in the gaps in our prayer lives when we do not know what to say or when we do not know what to pray for. I think that after God's gracious offer of salvation through Jesus Christ, I think after his offer of salvation, the greatest gift that he has given us is the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we've all got it. It's this power source that we don't always tap into. And it's available to everyone if we will believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us to tap into the to this source of energy, this source of power that you have given us, that we would learn to pray in the Spirit, that we would learn to pray according to your will, 
that we would pray that your will be done, not ours, that you would bend us, that you would mold us, that you would shape us, that you would form us into your image and according to your will, that we would learn to do your will, that we would learn to pray for your will to be done, and that we would surrender each day of our lives to your will. We may not always understand it. We may not always figure it out. We, we don't have all the answers, God, but we know that you're in control and that you always love us and you're always there for us. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending us your Son. And we pray it all in his name. Amen. Every Sunday.